Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by a very special guest, Jeremy Hoban. Over the last 12 years, Jeremy has generated leads for hundreds of companies across Australia, New Zealand, and the USA. He's been behind the scenes developing and implementing large-scale lead generation campaigns for international companies like Hyundai, Harvey World Travel, Kari Care, PowerShop, and many more. He was responsible for generating thousands of leads in highly competitive niches from personal finance to property investment to even mortgage brokering. He's helped major international speakers sell out their multi-date events across Australia and New Zealand. And now he focuses on building programs, simplifying the complicated world of online marketing into simple step-by-step sequences any business can use to increase their clients and revenue. So I've asked him here to join us today to help us all with our lead generation efforts. So Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. How you doing? Hello, Daryl. Yes, going very well. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's great to have you there. It's been an honor and a pleasure. I always enjoy our conversations. You've got a ton of value to give. But I don't really know how you got started in all this. So I'm kind of interested to hear this, this part of it. Like, do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? How did you even get into business? Yeah, sure. So my dad's always had a little bit of an entrepreneur streak in him, I think, but I guess I really didn't get started on it fully until I was 19. And I started off reading the book that probably, you know, a lot of people actually read when they were getting started. And that was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Mm -hmm. Kiyosaki. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I assume you've gone through that. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great book. I've actually even loved the board game Cashflow. A huge fan of Uh, it. Nice. Yeah. yeah, so I was um, I was flipping cars sort of um, between semesters at university, and a friend of mine gave me the book and said, "Hey, if you're interested in you know doing business and hustling and all that kind of stuff, read this book. It'll help you a lot." And yeah, that just really clarified things a lot for me, and ended up uh, starting my own e-commerce business almost straight away after reading that book, like importing music, t-shirts, CDs, all that uh, good stuff into mm-hmm. New Zealand. Uh, yeah, and that was really it. That was kind of the the slippery slope into learning all this online marketing stuff, just having a website, learning AdWords, Facebook, SEO, Google Analytics, all that kind of stuff that you need to know to, you know, be able to be successful online. Got it. Love it. So what were some of the big challenges that you faced on that journey to getting from when you started to now? Like, what were some of the biggest obstacles that you faced in, in that journey? Yeah, well, I mean, when I was young, I obviously had no idea what I was doing. Like, I was just a kid in university, basically. So, you know, trying to read books, read blog posts, all that kind of stuff. This was in the days before Shopify as well. So it was very difficult to really get it going. I didn't really have a mentor or anything like that either. So it was mostly mm-hmm. just you know, spending spending all my money buying stock, holding stock in my bedroom, trying to sell it out. And yeah, that was very difficult. Ended up selling the business, but 
a lot of the lessons and everything that I learned from that actually allowed me to then go and start working in other industries. Like I ended up getting a job as a senior consultant at one of the major agencies in New Zealand mm-hmm. out of that experience. So mm-hmm. yeah, really just building on the early challenges, figuring it all out. And it makes a big difference when you're spending your own money on things as well. Right. So you, if you're working <laughs> in an agency, it's very easy to to spend a client's money and not have too much of an emotional attachment to it. But when you're a uni student and you have to make a decision, okay, am I going to spend $50 on AdWords or am I going to spend $50 on buying some beers and going out with my buddies, you know? Yep. Makes a big difference. You right. Really when pay you're, a lot of attention. When to you're signing that, that check, yeah, you get really clear. You know, depending. I mean, the dollar amount doesn't matter. It depends on that person. A hundred dollars could be that for the person. A thousand, ten thousand. When you you have to get super clear when you're spending that money, and maybe you didn't check the first time, so you get a little burned. But when you have to go back to that plate, because it's not. You know, you can't give up. Giving up isn't an option. So when you go totally. back, you're just so much more focused in the clarity. And I think I think that really shines through in what you do. It gives you empathy for not only your clients, but for other people's situation, you know, people taking your program or course or who you work with. It gives you that owner perspective that not a lot of people have. Yeah, totally. I can definitely understand what it's like being there where you're not really too sure because uh, online marketing is extremely confusing, especially when you're just getting started with it. You know you should be spending money on it, but you're not quite too sure what you should be spending it on, whether you should be putting that money into AdWords or upgrading your website or doing social media. Yeah, it can be pretty challenging to know what to do sometimes. So what would you recommend to someone who's just starting out and struggling? I think getting really clear on your target market. So that was something that Ben Simkin, a mutual friend of ours, uh, really drilled into me. He's a mentor of mine as well, is getting really clear on that target market so you know who you're talking to and then it should become pretty clear where that person is, where they're hanging out, so you can go after them where they already are, where they're looking to spend money. And it makes it a lot easier to spend your budget when you actually know where you should be looking, what types of people you want to be attracting into the business. And how, how do you recommend they go about doing that? Yeah, so we have a, a full topic in our training program that deals with it, but really it comes down to understanding three different things about that target market. So the first is what problems and challenges they're facing right now, and then what uh, obstacles they assume they might have to go through in order to solve those problems. And then finally, there's the actual future them where they see them having the ideal life that they want. And yeah, everything is good, basically. Got it. So if you can identify the problems people have and the obstacles that they think, whether they're real real or false, that they think they have to overcome to accomplish that, and then what the, the benefit, why that even matters, why there's a carrot on the other side of that, that's like the foundation for everything that you'll be doing. Is that accurate? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And one thing we tend to do in these exercises as well is probably think a lot broader than a lot of people think about their target market. So for example, when I was working at an agency, we were running AdWords for a major travel agent and we were just basically bidding on the super competitive terms. For example, in New Zealand, a lot of New Zealanders like to go over to Pacific Islands for holidays like Samoa, Fiji, those types of places. And we were bidding on things like Samoa holiday packages, all that kind of thing, along with every other travel agent in New Zealand. Everyone's trying to get those people who are looking for travel packages. Right. Uh, And what we ended up doing though was actually thinking, okay, what are these people actually searching for? outside of just the straight travel package type keywords. So we started bidding on really broad keywords like Samoa, for example, just Samoa or Fiji. 
we were the only business who was bidding on those terms because everyone else thought, oh, those are just too generic to be good keywords for us. But what we'd actually realized through our research is people were looking at, they were doing Google searches for locations that they were thinking about going on holiday to. So we ended up getting a ton of leads for this company simply because we'd thought a little bit deeper about the target market and what they're actually doing. And we realized that they were doing searches just for these broad keywords and yeah, no competition on them because no other travel agents would thought they would need to touch them. We were getting a lot of leads from it and the client was very happy. Yeah, that's awesome. I actually know of a similar experience that I had with uh, generating leads for a car, an auto sales uh, company because they, or sorry, insurance, because everybody in the yellow pages, they were always under auto insurance, but nobody looks for auto insurance. They all look for car insurance. So all the companies (laughs) were paying for auto insurance. They were like using that internal jargon. So it really helps to learn the grammar and the syntax of their, your customer base. I mean, it can make a world of difference, you know? Yeah, so true. So what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making when they're trying to identify these, like the, these answers to these questions? Most of the time I see people focusing too much on their own business and they don't really, they don't really get into the head of their target market enough. That seems to be the most common problem that I see when I, when I'm reviewing people who have gone through our exercises, for example, for building the customer avatar they do things like they think, oh, my target market is somebody who needs my service. And then they start talking about their own service versus thinking about what that person's life is actually like, what they're doing, what type of behaviors, the frustrations that they're going through, all that kind of stuff. Because we've had campaigns where we've reviewed it for a client, maybe another agency has done some work for them. And even if the marketing campaign is decent, a lot of the times they just they kind of skip over the really deep struggles and issues that, that their target market's actually going through. And once we clarified the copy a little bit more, clarified the ad text and that kind of thing, just to really drill down on the exact challenges that the target market is facing right now, yeah, it opens up the floodgates basically. It becomes so much easier to get clicks on your ads. It gets so much easier to get people opting in on your pages, giving you their phone number and following up with you to get a sales call from you. That's awesome. That's super awesome. So do you feel that, what are the habits that you feel help some of the most successful people and customers and students that you've had? What are some of the habits that you feel that they all share? Is there a set of habits? Uh, Definitely what I just mentioned in terms of creating, you know, going really deep on your target market. Of course, you need to have a really good offer as well. So if you're just offering the exact same thing that everybody else in your marketplace offers, you're not probably going to do very well. Mm-hmm. So definitely recommend people think really hard about what they can actually offer to people that has super high value but low risk in order to get them in the door so that they can start that personal one-on-one relationship with them as well. Probably the third thing as well is just having tenacity and not giving up when a marketing campaign flops. So we've had clients where we've maybe had to go through six, seven, eight different iterations of funnels and ads and copy and all this stuff just trying to figure out exactly what's going to resonate the best with the target market. We go through a lot of failures, but of course, just got to keep going, figure Mm -hmm. out what actually works, and then eventually you're going to crack it. And then after that, it's it's basically the most valuable asset I've found that a business can have is once you've gone through all of that failure, trying to figure out what exactly works for your market, then you can just have this asset that you know you can rely on 
going forward in order to generate leads whenever you need them, basically. Right, which is amazing. It's an amazing situation to be in. It's extremely powerful. So I love that you mentioned that too. It talked like you you already set the expectation that, look, the first two, three, four, maybe even five, six things we do aren't going to work well. And it's really going to depend on our ability to turn around and produce these new things, which is fantastic. Is there like a budget if anyone is getting started or thinking about this? Like, how do you explain that to a client or even, like I said, like a student? Like, what are the expectations you set for them? Like, hey, you know, if it's going to take five attempts, you need, you know, $5,000 per attempt. You need $10,000. You know, like, how do you package that out? You should know by after spending a couple hundred dollars. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, what's some sort of, and I know every market is different because if you're buying leads for a mortgage broker, it's like a hundred bucks a click. But if you're buying leads, you know, for a local yoga studio owner, totally different scenario. But what, like, is there any guidance that you can give for people that are just kind of curious, like, what am I getting into? Yeah, most of the time we recommend getting two to 300 people to actually go over to the web page that you're sending people to and seeing how they convert. That's really the, the good rule of thumb that we use. I've seen people say, some people say 100 visitors, but we find that that's not quite enough, especially if you're doing Facebook advertising where you need to rely a lot on the Facebook algorithm to figure out who is the right type of people that they're actually showing your ads to. So mm. quite often we might have two to 300 people go to a landing page, get zero conversions, maybe one conversion or something like that. But then once the Facebook algorithm starts learning a little bit more about who's actually clicking the ads, who's going over to the web page and who's starting to convert, then we notice that it learns quite often very quickly who's actually who's actually working on that page, who's converting, who's actually becoming a lead so that you mm. can so you can start getting your ads in front of the right types of people. Got it. So whatever your industry average is, get a couple hundred people to your page before uh, you give up on it. Even if it looks really like dismal, you know, and you're at 150 people, 200 clicks, still maybe keep it going to your 250, 300, just to be sure. Yeah. So we typically work in the more high ticket service industries where a sale, it might be worth three, four thousand, $5,000 plus, mm -hmm. in some cases up to 20,000. So we've got a little bit more money to test there. If you've got a super low ticket offer where it's maybe just 10 or $20, obviously you want to get that working a little bit faster. You might want to cut it off a little bit earlier rather than shelling out $300 if you're only going to make $20 off the sale, for mm. example. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, that's fine. Again, just helping people set their expectations. And then I guess, how do you figure out different things to test? You just, I, I, I know I asked you this before, but just because I know other people, they're like, all right, but what do I, if it doesn't work, what do I do? Is there like an acronym or a formula or how do you, you know what I mean? Like how could someone... Like, all right, well, I, I already tried this ad. So let's say, you know, whatever you're selling, it doesn't even matter. Something that's three grand, say it's eight grand, selling $8,000 widget. And so you've tried this marketing campaign and you sent your 300 people, but it's not working. How do you go back to the drawing board? Do you just try the same thing over again? Do you try something radically different? What's kind of like a rule of thumb you would suggest? Yeah, so we've got a specific process that we go through when we're troubleshooting our campaigns. And really, it just starts right at the top of the sequence where, for example, is the ad actually showing to people? So if you, you might have spent a whole lot of money, but you're getting a very low reach on your ads, and obviously that's the problem that we need to fix. Then if we are getting reach on the ads, okay, are we getting clicks? And if we are getting clicks, okay, are the clicks too expensive? Do we need to get the cost per click down? If we're getting clicks at a decent price and they're going over to our landing page, okay, it's the landing page that we might need to have a look at. And in terms of just to go to a little bit deeper on your question about what we should be testing, 
So we've got a bit of a swipe file now. We keep our eyes open, look at other advertising. We'll see other industries, what types of angles that they're using, and we'll see something and say, hey, that's that's pretty cool. We see you know, you're using this type of headline formula and then this type of uh, page structure. So we'll quite often look and model different things that we see working in other industries and other people modeling mm. for us. Mm. We've got our own templates, obviously, as well, after doing a lot of internal testing as well. Yeah, no, that's great advice. I mean, there's no point in reinventing the wheel. For anyone that's listening to this, your business isn't necessarily different, and you could learn so much by looking at other industries and, and bringing best practices from those industries into whatever you're doing. You know, you don't have to – was it pioneers get the arrows, the sellers get the land, right? So it's just super exactly. – it's so easy to just take something that's working for somebody else and apply it because, that, like you said, and I love that your focus was there, was focus on the market first, not your business, you know, not from the place of your product or service but from the customer their life, their wants, their needs, and serve that, you know, because that's just going to always end up, I mean, that's what happened to newspapers. I always say this on the show, right? Like newspapers forgot what problem they were solving for people and they got decimated by blogs. And so, right, because they just, blogs were a better way to serve that need. And if you stay focused on solving the need of the person and not married to your product, you'll be able to be one of these companies that evolves and grow, like IBM. I mean, they've evolved and grown and changed over, I don't even know how many years now. Do you know what I mean? But they're still like a behemoth and it's not because they're selling the same product they started out with right like i don't even know the name of it yeah they've just been able to stay abreast of what people want and need so that's a really powerful lesson like people listening to this if you're not already taking notes may want to write it down just because it'll stick in your brain better if you write if you write it down even if you never look at it again or if you're an auditory listener you may want to re-listen to this interview especially up to where we just got here because there's some major gems here there's a if anyone hasn't read there's a great book um uh, scientific advertising, Claude Hopkins. And in it, he's got this fantastic quote, let the thousands tell you what the millions will do. And Jeremy here just kind of pointed out, let the hundreds tell you what the thousands will do. And the thousands will tell you what the millions will do. And when you've got this campaign that works, it's an amazingly valuable asset. You just spend money and you get leads and sales. It's that simple. And it's not easy, but it's simple. And so is there anything that you would add to that? Yeah, you're exactly right in all that, especially with the the valuable asset part. That's something I've really come to realize after working with so many companies now is the ones that do the best are the ones that have this tap, if you like, that they can simply turn on and off whenever they need to get more people in the door, really. And so how do you scale? How do you scale that then once you have something that is converting? Yeah, totally. So one of the amazing things I've seen is Scaling can actually be quite simple, but a lot of people don't do it. <laughs> so we had one, it was an AdWords account actually that we took over from another agency. And I think we were we were able to get a 400% increase in traffic out of that account uh, without spending any extra money, simply by just rearranging and just rearranging budgets into different areas, rearranging budgets into places that are working the best and areas that are working the worst. So obviously when we're starting out, we've probably got a lot of different, say if it's on Facebook, we've got a lot of different targeting options, testing out different things. And simply the matter of just keeping an eye on it and cutting whatever's not working and just moving that budget away from the losers and putting it into the winners, such a powerful thing because you end up, you know, you can basically double mm-hmm. your results by mm-hmm. doing that. But so many times I see people just continuing to run and trying to make these kind of losing campaigns work because they think that that's what they should be doing. Right. Yeah. Really they could just move that budget into an area that's already working really well 
and just keep pushing that up as well. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic point. I mean, if you're digging for water, if you're looking for a well, if you're thirsty, when you find water, you're not like, ah, that glass of water was great. Let's go dig another well. You're like, let's make this thing bigger. Let's set up a pump. Let's get a tap. I want water on demand. Come on, let's go. It's hurry, 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 people. And that's exactly what you said. People hit gold and they're like, wow, that promotion was great. What are we going to do next? Because, for example, when I had my martial arts school, I tested uh, 11 different appeals for five different markets. So I had like university students, uh, fire rescue personnel, working professionals. I had these avatars and I had 11 different appeals. Lose weight, get in shape, all that stuff. And my number one hook, my number one appeal performed 1100% better than the number two appeal out of 11 out of 11. And so if right, I had to just yeah. put up like two or three, do you know what I mean? Like I, like you said, I would have been having mediocre results and just hammering away at this thing that that's supposed to be. You should constantly be split testing. That's fantastic. There's actually a great tool. I don't know if you've heard of this. I'm going to recommend this for, um, let me check if the link still works. Adcomparator.com. I love this tool. It's a free tool. It's a Taguchi based ad, op ad optimizer. One of the things that I love about it is the three element test. You can set up different elements, but it's a way to split test and eyeball them. I love this nice. thing because you can do the three element test and you can make the three elements anything you want. Add, landing page, offer. You can make it the ad, picture, copy, you know, uh, call to action. Like you can just take any three elements and it'll give you four things to split test. And when you test those four things and you come and put the results back into this tool, which is a free tool, adcomparator.com or comp comparator. Add C-O-M-P-A-R-A-T-O-R. -R. You go back there, you put your results, those four tests. It gives you the best combination of 81 possible combinations of those three elements. Wow. And then you just do a split test. So you get the winner of the four. And so you have a winner of four. And you go back to this tool and you go, hey, this one was a winner. And it goes, okay, the image is the most important element. Your winning formula would be this one. And it gives you one, and it should be different than the winner of the, than any of the four you tested. And that one should beat the winner of the four because it should technically be the best of 81 combinations. And if it's not, you still have a winner of five. You know, it's a great little tool to, to, to uh, anyone that's into split testing that. I, I love that tool. Yeah, split testing is so important. So where do you see the future of these things headed? I mean, like, where's internet marketing going? Are we all going to be replaced by AI at some point? Is that is that something anyone here needs to be concerned about? Is there plenty of room? Like, what? I can definitely see the major networks like Google and Facebook hitting more towards an AI type platform where simply you just feed them inputs, like maybe what type of business you're in, maybe some ideas for ad copy and that kind of thing. And there's basically you don't do any targeting at all, and they simply just let their AI take care of the targeting themselves. I can definitely see that happening. And that's actually something that we take advantage of right now with our Facebook advertising is we typically will go fairly broad with our targeting a lot of the time just because Facebook's algorithm is at a point now where it can actually figure out for you, even if it's looking at quite a broad population, it can find these little pockets of people who are highly likely to convert for you. And the best thing is that it doesn't actually burn out as quickly as, say, if you were putting a ton of restrictions on your campaigns with all these different interest targeting, demographic targeting, behavioral targeting, all that kind of thing. Wow, that's amazing. So right now, that's something you're technically you're actively doing. You're going, hey, let's spend a few hundred, few thousand dollars. Let's target this wide market and let's let Facebook just kind of help figure out who's interested in this. And you know you've got something set up. It's best practices. You know, you, you know from previous experience that this page should perform even at a mediocre level and then you just let the ad go and then you do your thing on the back end and split testing and optimizing is that fairly accurate yeah exactly so we'll go fairly broad 
at the start. Normally, the results won't be as good at the start simply because uh, you've given Facebook a blue ocean, basically, where they're just going out and trying to figure out exactly who they're going to show ads to. Uh, but then what they actually do is they will start off looking at, okay, who's actually looking at the ad and then, okay, who's actually clicking on the ad and then, okay, who's actually converting after they click. So they'll kind of go down the rabbit hole with these certain groups of people and then figure out, okay, this is the exact type of person who actually converts on this offer. And then they can go out to the rest of that audience that you've given them and find some more types of people that way. That's awesome. That's super awesome. So would you say that Facebook is the most effective, most productive traffic activity, mastering Facebook ads that you know of right now? It's definitely the primary traffic source that we use for majority of our clients right now. And it's something that we spend a lot of time actually teaching people how to use uh, in our programs as well. Obviously, with um, with certain industries, AdWords can be a really great platform for you. But like you mentioned before, like with mortgage brokers and that kind of thing, all the high ticket type services, the cost per click on Google is just absolutely ridiculous insane, now. Yeah. Yeah. So, and if you try and get into that market, you're going up against advertisers who might have been advertising on on AdWords for ten years, for example. They've got everything dialed in completely. So it can be very difficult to compete on AdWords. Whereas if you go through Facebook and you're a little bit creative, you can get in front of people and you've got the right types of funnels, that kind of thing. Then it becomes much easier for you. You can get clicks for under a dollar and get leads. You know, you could be getting four, five, six leads for the price of just one click that you could be getting on Google. Now, when you were learning all this and figuring all this out, do you feel that there's anything that held you back? Like, do you feel like you could have gotten to where you are faster if you just focused in one or two areas or, you know, got a mentor sooner or I don't know, whatever it is. I'm not I'm not trying to feed you answers, but, you know, do you feel that there's anything that you could have done to expedite your progress or that you wish you had known if you could go back and tell yourself something? I think one of the things that I wish I'd done sooner is is, is get a mentor. Mm. So I was freelancing for a number of years, just doing doing stuff myself, and then ended up meeting Ben Simkin, who I know you've had on the show as well. Mm-hmm. And I ended up doing some work with him. And if you know anything about Ben's story, he sold over one point four five billion dollars in sales mm-hmm. just through Facebook. So that's right. Um, you know, just working with him, having someone who is so far ahead of the game in so many different ways, working closely with him just makes the learning curve so much shorter when you can actually get a one-on-one look at the types of campaigns that are actually producing millions in sales versus say buying a course where you're passively consuming content, but then actually implementing it is still your own sort of self-direction, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. It makes perfect sense that there's that, there's that passing of the torch. There's that, Hey, here's where the rubber meets the road. You can read about tennis all day, every day, but until you actually get involved, get your hands dirty, you know, and it's that cycle. It's like, learn it, do it, teach it right. That cycle in itself to help you really retain it. Unconscious competence, conscious, or what is it? That's the four levels of mastery. Unconscious incompetence is you don't know, you don't know. You don't know how much you suck. People in that stage tend to overestimate how good they are at things. Then there's conscious uh, incompetence where you know how bad you are at it. And then there's conscious competence where you can get results, you're okay, but you really got to focus, it's an effort. And then you get to a level of unconscious competence where you don't even think about it and it just happens and it's really intuitive at a lot of levels. And there's a huge benefit. I mean, if people were to think about it, imagine two people identical in every way. 
two people are identical in every way. Same gender, same age, same height, same skin color, you know, same interests, same in every way. And they have the goal to become uh, gold medalists. And one of them decides he's going to spend every day in his garage. It's a guy. Or it can be a girl if you want a girl. But they decide to spend every day in their garage, and they're going to master this skill. They're going to set up their garage, build their dream facility. They're going to read all the books, watch all the courses, and they're going to figure this out, and they're going to go win a gold medal. And the other person goes and gets three coaches, all of which who have won gold medals in the past and have been teaching and coaching and training in the industry for 10, 15, 20 years. And he lets them tell them what to do, what they should be training, what they should be focused on. Who's going to get there faster? I mean, we all know the rule of 10,000 hours to be world-class at something. You know what I mean? But who's going to have more bumps in the face? Who's going to have more injuries? Who's, they might both still get to that destination, but who's going to have a more pleasant and enjoyable experience, right? Yeah, so true. Just doing it, doing it under specific expert instruction is so much better than just passively learning and then continuing to just passively learn. Yeah. So what are you doing now? We've talked about how you have clients, talked about a course. What is it that you're excited about these days? Yeah, sure. So obviously I've been doing this for a long time now, so I've had a pretty broad experience across a lot of different things. So really what I'm trying to do now is just take everything that I've seen over the past 12 years of doing all this stuff and just condense it down into a nice simple blueprint for people to follow. Mm -hmm. A lot of people ask me what should I be doing where should I get started that kind of thing they know that they need a website they know they probably need to be doing maybe AdWords they know they should be doing Facebook they know they should be doing maybe some blogging ebooks all that kind of stuff but they're just not 100% sure what they should be doing in what order where they should be spending their time etc so that's really what I get excited about is just helping people figure out the right type of sequence of what they should be doing and yeah just getting results, basically. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> well, that's super exciting. Um, yeah. So if anyone's been listening to this, if they're excited, if they like that, if they kind of like your approach, your philosophy, how do they find out more information? How do they reach out to you? Yeah, sure. So our website is onlinebusinessaccelerator.io. That's our company site. You can also add me on Facebook as well. So it's just add me, Jeremy Hoban, and we can connect and chat about anything perfect and um i mean is there anything that i should have asked you that i didn't ask you I, I this call was really dense i mean for the people that are listening some of the stuff we talked about today like it's really worth a lot of serious time and effort and consideration uh again talking thinking about your customers and clients the problems that they have the obstacles they think they have to overcome the future that they want to be living focusing on the market first, being willing to test six, seven, eight, maybe nine or 10 different things and knowing that it's not going to work, having some sort of idea of what you should be testing at, what, how to fix some problems. I mean, you began to give us a checklist. That's a really fantastic start. If anyone's got any failed marketing campaigns that they're just not getting results from, where to start, where to get looking on that. Give us some examples of what some of the best companies are doing that have the ability to literally grow on demand and how to do that. And even what's happening today in the wild world of Facebook advertising. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you about? <laughs> I don't think so. I think we've covered a lot of stuff. have been pretty broad over a lot of different things. Yeah. No, and you've been very succinct in your answers. So, well, Jeremy, I certainly appreciate it. What's your URL again? So our business website is onlinebusinessaccelerator.io. There we go. So onlinebusinessaccelerator.io. Jeremy, thank you so much for coming here and sharing with us. I've seen some of your marketing material. I've honestly, I'm, I'm a little envious. I think you do great stuff. I'm a big fan. 
And I just appreciate you coming and sharing your knowledge with my listeners because you've got your own, you know, you have your own campaigns, your own following, your own crew, your own customers you can be taking care of. So I appreciate you coming and helping us out a little bit. It's been a pleasure being here, Daryl. Thanks you for having me on. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.